Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ice the Kicker. My name is Glenn Dinegris alongside my co-host, Matt Ferrara. Week four is done in the NFL. It was one of the most tumultuous weeks of the season, and that's because there's been a few COVID-positive tests. Um, the Patriots lost Cam Newton, and then that game had to get moved to Monday where they lost to the Chiefs. Uh, the Titans had a miss protocol where they had this practice that came out this morning. Um, mm-hmm. So it finally happened a quarter into the season. We got our first COVID um, issues with the NFL. We're going to get to that in a second, but let's start with some actual football and, and, and some news that's a couple years in the making. And that's the Bill O'Brien firing in Houston. So Bill O'Brien is let go after the Texans start 0-4. Um, it was a rough start. They had, they had Chiefs Texans right off the bat first two weeks, but you know since then uh, it hasn't looked good. And reports came out this morning that it was actually JJ Watt that got into a verbal altercation with Bill O'Brien that led to the firing. So Matt, it was the leader of the Texans on the field in JJ Watt that finally put his finger down and said, "This is going to stop here. This is unacceptable." And Bill O'Brien, who everybody was screaming about when he traded traded DeAndre Hopkins away. Everyone in Houston finally get, gets their wish. Uh, Bill O'Brien's out. And the question now is how does Texas or the, how does Houston move on from here? Because they got the quarterback in Deshaun Watson, who's fantastic. Everybody knows that. One of the top co- young quarterbacks in the game. So it's not a teardown situation by any means. This team went to the divisional round last year and had a very big lead before the, Saint, before the Chiefs came back. So where do you go from here if you're Houston? Yeah, so Houston's in a very weird uh, kind of predicament here because you're already a quarter of the way through and you're 0-4. So, I mean, statistically speaking, the odds of you getting to the playoffs are still very, very slim. Even though their division, you still play uh, the Titans and the Jaguars. It's still going to be interesting to see what happens. Again, I kind of stumbled upon this question myself, thinking about what do they do from here. And uh, an obscure thing that I kind of said, and it's a little more extreme, I was like, what if they just tear it down? Like you said, it's not a tear down. I kind of think about what if they did? Because you look at, all right, you're, you're paying Deshaun Watson, obviously, but you're going to need to get a new coach in there at the end of the offseason. They already gave it to uh, Romeo Cornell, who's the OC, so he's going to finish out the year, obviously. But a new coach is going to have to come in there, and he also has no draft capital because his first two picks in the first round and second round are given to the Dolphins. So it's kind of like, what do we do now? So they're kind of expected to, to win now, and a coach is going to have to come in and win with what he has, and he doesn't really have any uh, ammo to go do stuff and get the team he wants. So originally I was like, all right, maybe trade Deshaun Watson, but that's a little extreme. But then I was thinking about, like you just said, maybe they trade J.J. Watt. Why not? He, he's just he, – he's one defensive piece. You could – he's a little bit expendable. Again, he's awesome. That's, that's cool. But you trade him, you get maybe a first or at least second-round pick or, or, or a plethora of picks – and then you give your new coach kind of coming in something to work with. That, that kind of raised some interest to in me because it, it seems like a very, not lost season, but damn near close to it. And it, it sucks to admit, but Texans might have to start looking forward to 2021 instead of 2020. Yeah, and the rough thing you do if you trade Watt is that you're making your positive a negative to make your negative a positive. So if you trade Watt, right, and you get a first-round pick, and you use that first-round pick on, say, a receiver – to replace DeAndre Hopkins. Well, now your offense mm-hmm. is better, but you made your defense much, much worse. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the catch-22 that the Texans are in. 
And it would have all been avoided if they just would have kept DeAndre Hopkins and they would have just kept going with the team that they had because they're a very successful team. They make the playoffs. I don't have the number in front of me. They make the playoffs, what, three of the last four years? They, they're in yeah, the playoffs. They're, they're, per, they're perennial contenders. Yeah. yeah, they're perennial contenders. The DeAndre Hopkins trade made absolutely no sense. It made no sense at the time. It certainly doesn't make sense Still now. Still doesn't, yeah. And now you're faced with the idea where now you have this young quarterback and you have to start a rebuild with him when you were ready to win. It, it doesn't make sense. And the Bill O'Brien firing is much deserved. They did the right thing, but they should have done this a year ago, two years ago, because now you're completely behind the eight ball. That division is getting better. The Colts are getting better. I'm going to unlock my phone. The Jaguars are one and three. They're better than you. The Titans are three and oh. The Colts are three and one. The Jaguars are one and three, and you're sitting there zero oh and four. I mean, it's not the most talented division in the world. It could be a quick fix if they can pull it off, but you need the right people to pull it off. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I trust the Texans' like front office to make the right decisions because they Plus, they took it took so long for them to make this decision now to trade Bill O'Brien. It seems like they really don't know what buttons to push. Yeah. So so now the they run into the the case of, all right, well, who is our GM? Because you fired your coach and you fired your GM. So they fired, obviously, Bill O'Brien, and they brought in Romeo Cornell. I mean, they just gave him the head coach job. But who's making the decisions from a GM perspective now? So that's something that they're going to have to figure out sooner than later. That's what I mean. Like, all this confusion and stuff like that makes me think that 2020 is basically a wash. Like, Mm -hmm. they're still obviously going to try hard and play hard and everything like that. But, like, you're not going after anyone in the deadline you're 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 not really going to do anything like i said you're already 0 and 4 and colts have the number one ranked defense in football right now so so even if you you split with them and say you split with the titans that puts you at at 2 and 6 like you're not are you, are you winning eight straight games after that something like that i really don't see it so again it, there's obviously so much more pressure to to start off good early because it kind of changes the way you go after the rest of the season but now with, with a new coach and then you're going to need to get a new GM and then a new coach in the offseason, I think they just kind of take the L this year and try to go after 2021 hard. So moving on with their schedule, the next three weeks up until the bye, they have the Jaguars, the Titans, and the Packers. The Packers are four now. Um, then they have the bye in week eight. Then week nine through the end of the year, they have the at Jaguars, the Browns, the Patriots, the Lions, the Colts, the Bears, the Colts, the Bengals, and the Titans. It's not the scariest schedule in the world, but at the same time, you know, the Texans are 0-4 for a reason. So mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not a great team. So if they fall to the 5-11, and 11, you know, 6-10 and 10 range, even if they finish up nicely, they're going to end up in that range of wins, the 4-7 to seven win category. They're going to be really hurt because they don't have those draft picks. I mean, the first-round draft pick goes to the Dolphins, so I'm sure you're rooting for them to bottom out. Because that'll oh, yeah. help you, like, that would skyrocket your yeah. um, rebuild plan. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe chop off a couple years out of it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's good move that they finally did it, but they're, look, they're staring a rebuild in the face when they didn't need to. Yeah, and, and again, it, it's, it's one of those things, and, and I guess my knock on the Jets, not to always keep shitting on them, but I'm going to, is they're, they're in a forced rebuild, I would say, the Jets. And now the Texans are kind of on the midst of the force rebuild now. And yes, it's awesome that they still have their quarterback. Like they have their guy that they want and they need. However, you are paying him. So when you're paying him, you want him to be good. 
So it, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. And that's why, to me, I feel like J.J. Watt is a guy that, towards the end of his, his deal anyway, and he's still going to pay a, a large sum of money, I don't see why you couldn't squeeze out a first or second rounder from him. Maybe even a team like uh, the 49ers, who uh, – a uh, team like the 49ers, who are pretty desperate for pass rush right now, and they're still a team that can contend for a Super Bowl potentially. So there's going to be uh, a, a lot of interesting, I think, bidders in J.J. Watt if he does hit the market. Let's – Let's talk about the COVID situation for a second, because this was, I guess, inevitable. I think NFL, the NFL would have been naive if they thought they can go this entire season up until Super Bowl, until the Super Bowl without this popping up. And it finally did. It was the Titans, I believe, that had their mm-hmm. games canceled because of positive tests. And then today they seem to break protocol to have like an unauthorized practice, um, which is against the rules. And I actually read on Twitter that, you know, some are advocating for them to forfeit their game against the Bills this upcoming week. Um, I don't think they'll do that. Um, I think the best way to go about this is just to play these games. And if there's a COVID thing, you're going to postpone it. And then Matt, this is not optimal. This is not what you want to do for the NFL, but you're going to have to delay the playoffs and you're going to have to add on weeks towards the end of the season to get these games made up because it's not like baseball where there's like 60 games and you can base it off win percentage. That's how the Cardinals got in. You need to play every single game in the NFL because there's so few of them. So mm-hmm. they're in a tough spot trying to make all these games up. And now you got a team like the Steelers that have played by the rules that just lost their bye week. They're not going to have a single bye week the whole way. Um, it's 2020 and nothing is fair in 2020. We've learned that time and time again across sports and life and everything. But it's not, it's not right that this happened. It's not right that the Titans went off this unauthorized practice and really screwing over the rest of the league. So now the NFL is in a tough spot. Do you just play it through? and lose bye weeks and teams that play by the rules are going to get, you know, shafted because just of another team's negligence, or do you have to add weeks to the end of the year and kind of delay the Super Bowl possibly until March? So, yeah, something I was thinking about was not delaying it at the end. I was thinking that maybe even you just cut it right in the middle and you do like a one, two week kind of just break from everything. And then in those time spans, obviously you would assume that, if someone does have COVID, you give them the two weeks and hopefully it'll clear out of the system, but you'll have a better chance to identify who has it, who doesn't have it. And maybe even uh, a contingency plan in place that you kind of put these players in their own little bubble in, in their own kind of facilities. Like you come to practice and then you go to say a hotel or something like that. And I know nobody wants to do that, but if you want football on the field, especially like we were saying baseball, it was easy to kind of coordinate games. And if you had to cancel, you cancel, but, with football, there's definitely a, a lot more challenges in play. So they're going to have to be a little more strict, I think, in, in that regard. And maybe you have their own little internal bubbles in their cities instead of going home and going out and doing this, doing that. Hey, maybe you kind of have to just chill in the hotel or, or in certain areas for the the rest of the season, something like that. That's something I think that I could see. Or honestly, yeah, I could see them delaying uh, the playoffs by two weeks too. Either one, I think, could could definitely happen. But it is unfortunate that you see the Titans kind of take it upon themselves to keep practicing because now you just saw Corey Davis just got put on uh, the COVID list too. So you have to understand there, there are rules in place that we're still playing under uh, these circumstances. We have to go through every hurdle that we have to just so we can make sure we have sports on television. And like you were saying, it's unfortunate the Steelers who are abiding by the rules, now they lose a game. And I know early on it's nice that you have an extra day of rest, but it's like, now they may lose a bye week. So it's unfair to them in the long run. Yeah, what the Steelers did, they practiced every day leading up to this game. 
and then it got canceled. So it's not mm-hmm. like they just, oh, their bye week just got changed. It's not like that because yeah. that bye week, you might not practice the entire time or you might give them three or four days off. They never mm-hmm. get that break. So you played, so you practice with like game intensity, getting ready for a game that Sunday up until what, whatever it is, Friday, let's say. Yeah. And then they cancel it for Sunday. So now they don't have that three, four, five day break that way they normally get in a bye, which is a big difference. So the people that say, oh, what's the big deal? It's just moving your bye week from week 10 or 11, whatever it is, to week four. It's not mm-hmm. exactly like that. So the Steelers yeah. get shafted in that regard. And baseball did okay other than the initial outbreaks in the beginning of the season. The basketball and hockey with their bubbles did more than okay. They did fantastic. Yeah. With their, the, the NFL is having a big problem because they're the loosest – in terms of restrictions and where you're allowed to be. Um, obviously, it's the bigger, bigger rosters, and you know, it's the most contact of the other three sports. But there, there's already been times where Goodell's had to talk to coaches because they're not wearing masks, which is one of the mm-hmm. rules. So the NFL yeah. is not doing that great a job <laughs> of preventing this virus. I, Cam Newton got the virus, and they had to move the Patriots game and the Chiefs game to, Sunday, to Monday. And then it came out that, somebody with the virus played in that game. Yeah, Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, Stephon Gilmore played in the game while he was positive for corona. That's not good in terms yeah. of everybody that he's coming in contact with during the course of an NFL game. So the NFL really needs to button up this coronavirus kind of protocol before it gets mm. even worse and before the, the season's done, one, or two, more importantly, somebody gets sick and, God forbid, like worse than that. Yeah, and just touching upon that too. I was, however, very happy that – so Cam Newton, obviously the Patriots starting quarterback, he got it. And I was very happy that they still played the game because I was kind of concerned that before the season, say Mahomes got it. Like imagine that uh, Chiefs versus Ravens game. And imagine, say, Mahomes and Lamar both had it and they were out for the game. I feel like with how greedy the NFL is with money and stuff like that, they would have just postponed the game, which I don't think is right. Listen, no, you're, we don't want anybody to, to get COVID, obviously. But if someone does, you sit out and you have a backup uh, for that reason. So I was very happy to see that they still played the game in, in a timely manner. They played it on, on Monday, which was perfectly fine. Even if they had to play on Tuesday, who cares? That works too. But I don't want to see a, a point where, all right, just because the star quarterback's out, we're going to delay everything now. It's like, hey, you got to adapt to it. So it's one of those kind of scenarios. I wonder if the game is treated differently if it wasn't Patriots Chiefs. I wonder I, if the I, NFL really wanted that game to get played that week for those ratings because that's one of the prime matchups of the entire year. If it was, you know, Titans Browns, like who really cares? Like and they yeah. just postpone it and then figure it out later. So I wonder if the Chiefs Patriots game got a little bit of an extra kick because of the pressure to play that kind of game, because that's the national audience. That's what everybody wants to see, the Patriots and the Chiefs. Especially when CBS can come on with, with Jim Nance and Tony Romo and steal that kind of Monday night crowd a little bit and maybe mm-hmm. steal some ratings away from uh, the ALDS. So I think it, it kind of worked. I mean, is it weird that it's to say it almost worked in their favor? I mean, they already control the ratings on Sunday. So now that they CBS, I guess you could say in football in general, they had basically all of Monday. So tip of the cap to them, I guess they, they, they did, did a good job in handling it for just this week. However, Titans and everything like that and going forward, they're going to need to figure it out a little bit because it's a little too much uh, hands off. So let's talk about what actually happened on the field in week four. Um, going through the, the uh, schedule and the scores that, 
happened over the week. Um, I'm just going to pick the Bills Raiders, and that means Josh Allen, and that can get into our MVP discussion. So mm-hmm. the Bills beat the Raiders 30-23, to um, and it was another big game for our favorite of the show. Josh Allen went 24 <laughs> for 34, 288 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, the Raiders, they're okay. They're 2-2, two and two, but Buffalo 4-0. and oh. And leading that division from the Patriots, who have won the last million AFC East crowns in a row. So um, you got Allen at 4-0. You got Russell Wilson at 4-0. You got Aaron Rodgers at 4-0. You got Patrick Mahomes at 4-0. My question is this. Which quarterback is more responsible for that 4-0 start? And which quarterback is the MVP through the quarter poll of the season? So... Again, all great options. I would narrow it down to Russ and Rodgers, and I, I think I, I have to give the nod to Russ just because of how terrible the Seahawks' defense has been in letting up points and letting up yards and everything like that. And same thing with Russ's offensive line. is still nothing to brag about. But when you just watch him play, and obviously I, I got a chance to watch him firsthand against the Dolphins this week, he is absolutely electric with, with the ball. I mean, he scored against the Dolphins. He was a 75-yard drive in 26 seconds. One little blown play by a rookie cornerback, and he throws a, a ball going across to his weak side, slings it 51 yards in the air. I mean, that's that's hard to do, and it's something that obviously is MVP caliber. And he had a quote out today talking about uh, the MVP, and he was saying, I don't want boats. He's like, I want to win the whole thing, basically. So clearly he sees what the national media is kind of disrespecting him in the terms of being the MVP. So he's out for blood and he wants it too. Not saying Rodgers is bad, but Rodgers would definitely be my number two. And then honestly, maybe Allen and Mahomes right below there. I think what Mahomes, what hurts Mahomes in this, you know, kind of race for the MVP is that it's just second nature to us now. Like he Mm. does things that anyone else would be like, holy shit, I can't believe that just happened. And when Mahomes does it, it's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like what he does. It's not really that special. Almost like how, in basketball, I mean, like how LeBron, like he didn't win just, the MVP. I was thinking the same year. thing. Yeah. Giannis got the MVP, right? It was Giannis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't follow basketball this year that much because, you know, it's not my favorite. But Giannis be. got the MVP. But if you look at what LeBron's done in this singular season, it's head and shoulders above what Giannis has done. What he means to the Lakers compared to what Giannis means to the Bucks. The things that LeBron does, even when he's not contributing on the scorecard, how he facilitates to other people. LeBron should be the MVP every year. But because we as fans or the people that vote in the media just come to expect it and it's not really impressive anymore because it's done over and over and over and over, then that hurts a guy like you know LeBron. That hurts a guy like Mahomes. It hasn't hurt Trout yet because Trout still wins every year. But yeah. kind of the same conversation. Um, so I think that hurts Mahomes. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers for my MVP mm-hmm. to this point of the season because of not only what he's done this season, but how he's kind of revitalized himself after kind of a rough first year under the new, under the new coach, uh, LaFleur, and mm-hmm. kind of how people were wondering, hey, how, much, man, how many more years does this guy have? And then on top of that, in the draft, they take Jordan Love with their first pick. If you're Aaron Rodgers, that's completely insulting to you. And he's clearly come out this season with a chip on his shoulder, and he's playing like he was playing like 10 years ago when he was winning winning that Super Bowl. He's absolutely unreal. I know the division he's in isn't the best. Um, The Vikings have been a major disappointment. Um, The Bears are the Bears. Who knows who their quarterback is week in and week out. Uh, But Aaron Rodgers 
is on a revenge tour this season. And I don't think you're wrong by picking any of these four guys for MVPs at this point, mm-hmm. but I think Aaron Rodgers is my guy as we speak in week five. And, and to touch upon that a little bit, he had a quote. He was on the Pat McAfee show, Aaron Rodgers, and he said, quote, I saw this. Down, down years for me are career years for most quarterbacks. I mean, good for him. That, like, I, I texted uh, Coach Poppy because obviously he's a big uh, – He's a big Packers fan, mm-hmm. and he was just saying, like, and we were just both talking about how like, he's so cocky, but in the most respectable way. Like you said, he's out for revenge. He doesn't give a shit who's on his team, who's playing wide out, because every game so far, or he doesn't care if you don't draft him a first-round offensive player or a wide receiver. It doesn't matter. You got Scantling out there. All right, he's hurt. You got uh, Lazard out there. All right, he's hurt. Devontae Adams, he's hurt. It doesn't matter who's out there. He's just making it work. And I think that Saints game – was awesome for uh, the uh, national kind of uh, fans to see how good Aaron Rodgers is. And I think with him him versus Brady, Brady almost getting the nod a little bit over him just because of his team success has kind of overshadowed Rodgers. So I think he's really kind of coming out of his uh, – out of the, the shadow of, of, of Brady and coming out of that uh, that kind of – I want to say like pigeonhole of being an older quarterback and age to him does not matter at all. And he's out there to keep his job for a, a lot of years coming. And honestly, the way Rogers is playing right now, Jordan Love might not even be a Packer for, for much longer. Who knows? No, he might be trade bait at some point. I think Aaron Rodgers is like, I mean? hold the phone, hold the phone kid. Like you're not, yeah. this is not for you. Um, 27 for 33 against the Falcons. I mean, the Falcons aren't a good team, but give credit where credit is due. Of course. 327 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, four touchdowns in one game. That's more than the entire Giants team has the entire season. Had to throw that out there. Um, I don't have Aaron Rodgers' total stats for the season in front of me at. I think it was like moment. 12 touchdowns, no, no interceptions. There's no turnovers, right? Yeah, none. That's which, that's which is so that that's what in he today's does every, NFL when you're throwing the ball constantly and how the running game has kind of subsided mm-hmm. to not throw one turnover to not even have one tipped at the line and up into a linebacker's arms it's absolutely incredible so Aaron Rodgers complete revenge tour so he would be my MVP at the moment so I think your top four are correct with the Russell Rodgers Mahomes and Allen and I think you know I think somebody said I read that. Someone said that someone of note, obviously somebody important said that, you know, the bills haven't had a quarterback like Josh Allen since Jim Kelly, those years where they went to the four straight Super Bowls. And mm-hmm. when you think about it, he's kind of right. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor. These aren't guys. That's that it. Gonna, yeah, that's it. They're not going to blow you away, so to speak. So give it up to Josh Allen. I mean, he was in that quarterback class. And I remember in that draft, it was mm-hmm. all about Baker and then it was all about Darnold. And then Allen mm-hmm. was that third guy that kind of wasn't, you know, that he wasn't on the, that echelon of what Mayfield yeah. and Darnold were supposed to be. Like every, he was like that kind of like third wheel. Mm-hmm. And you can make the argument that he, through the first three years of their careers, he's been the better quarterback of that top three. I remember it was what? It was Mayfield, it was Barkley, then it was yeah. Darnold, and then it was Allen, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, the Bills are must be really happy that Allen fell to them. Yeah, I mean, again, now we have to. We're at the point where we have to give credit to Josh Allen, which we've been for the past couple of weeks, and it's just the way the whole team is constructed around him too is just so perfect. And that's not taken away from him, but it's just he's in a perfect situation right now. And even you see, like 
they, the way they use him offensively, they, they'll do those run option plays, even though people don't want their quarterbacks getting hurt and stuff like that. It doesn't matter for him right now. They're saying, hey, uh, we're going to use you how, how we're going to win games for right now. They're not really thinking too, too much down the road. And then you, you look at their wide receiving core with Cole Beasley in the slot and then obviously trading the first for Stephon Diggs. And then you still have uh, John Brown. So it's that that whole wide receiving core and the offensive line being good. Plus you have Singletary and Moss as their running backs and they just have a very power run kind of scheme. It sets up perfectly because then you start getting to that play action and then you let Josh Allen really uh, scan the field and use his arm and you have that good offensive line that lets his speedy guys run some longer routes. It works out perfectly for him. So he's been just bit awesome so far and, and definitely – one of the, the bright spots in the NFL, I would say, and definitely turn my head to him a little bit. So it's tip of the cap to him so far. Yeah. Let's um kind of like dissect those three franchises and where they're going that mm-hmm. took those quarterbacks in that draft three years ago. So you got the mm-hmm. Browns, they took Mayfield first. Um, they had, they've, they've had coaches come in and out. They've gotten some, you know, wide receivers, some diva wide receivers. They got Landry, they got Beckham. Um, there's a lot of voices in that locker room and that, ha- that hasn't helped them the first two years. They're three and one now and seems team, things seem to be turning the corner for make Baker Mayf- Mayfield, but the jury is obviously still out on whether he's the yeah. quarterback for them. Um, Darnold, um, I'll say it time and time again he is getting a very, very bad break with who's yeah. running things over there. So I, if you're doing a report card kind of thing, I feel like I have to give Darnold an incomplete because we've never really seen him with an, with an opportunity. Like he's never gotten that chance to be successful. He's never had weapons. He's never had a good coach. He's never had, you know, a, a good organization around him. So that's an incomplete. But Allen, he kind of is the benefit of what Darnold and Mayfield don't have. I mean, he has a good head coach. He has a front office that seems to know how to put pieces around him for him to succeed, getting a Stefan Diggs um, and, you know, other pieces around him to make things, to make things work, have a mm. defense that can get him back on the field to score points. So Allen, although he's obviously very good quarterback, I mean, you have to be talented to be successful in this league. Um, let's not forget that he is probably in the best situation in terms of the organization that he's in compared to the Jets and the Browns. And even if we want to throw in the Giants who took Barkley in that draft. Yes. Now, with that too, though, how do you think the Browns would do? And then how do you think the Jets would do if they had Allen on their team and then kind of vice versa? Because in my eyes, you put Allen on the Jets, I think he's going to win you more games than Darnold. And if you put Allen... On the Browns, I think he's definitely going to do a little more than Baker Mayfield. And then you put Darnold on the Bills. Yes, he's still going to he's going to do a lot better than what he's doing now. That would be really awesome to see, to kind of see what Darnold's all about. However, I don't know if he'd be better than Josh Allen with the Josh Allen that we've seen now. And kind of similar to Baker Mayfield, I think the Bills team, if you plug in any of those three quarterbacks, they would have the most success there. I think that, I think that, I mean, it's close with, the Browns, but I still think the Browns, just the whole, I mean, the Bills, their whole, uh, the way their offense is constructed and their whole team as, as a whole is the best uh, chance for success there. But I think Josh Allen is going to get you the most amount of wins out of those three quarterbacks in each of those three systems. I agree with you 100%. I actually had this conversation with some friends a few days ago, and I mm-hmm. said that if you put Sam Darnold on the Bills, he's putting up much better numbers and he's getting wins if mm-hmm. – in, in, in comparison to what he's doing on the Jets. Like, yes. I got yelled at, and I was called an idiot. But I'm mm. going to stand by that. I mean, if you put yeah. Sam Darnold on the Bills, and this is not a knock on Josh Allen, because Josh no. Allen's obviously the best of yes. those three quarterbacks. 
if you put Sam Darnold, even Baker Mayfield, if you put them on the, on the Bills and what they've built over the last few years. Now, remember, this is a Bills franchise that before like 2017 didn't make the playoffs since 2019. And now they've mm-hmm. made it two, three years, and they're going to make it this year. So and they're not, they haven't been the best franchise over the course of the last 20 years, but they figured it out in recent years. So mm-hmm. if you put Darnold or Mayfield on the Bills, I think they're putting up similar numbers to Allen and I think they're winning games because I don't like, I certainly don't like what the Jets are building. I don't think they have any direction yeah. or any future at this moment. Um, I like what the Browns are doing now after firing Freddie Kitchens and seems to get uh, Stefanski in there who seems like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. But I guess where I'm trying to go with this is I think, you know, Allen obviously has the best franchise around him. And if you put those two other quarterbacks who are also very talented on the Bills, they're having similar success. That's my yeah, no, um, yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you there, and, and it's a it's always a tough conversation to have when you're comparing guys, and I've kind of found it when I try to debate who's better, who's this, who's that, is because every situation is different, every system is different, and every person's different, and that's why I wanted to give credit Allen being the best out of those three, because if you put him in the other situations on the Browns, on the Jets, I think he has the most success. So that's kind of what you have to look at. You have to try to put all the other guys on the Bills, how would they do? We both agree that they would be better. However, I still think we agree that Josh Allen gives you the best chance to win no matter what his kind of uh, supporting cast around him is. And I think this conversation can break off into another one about you know when it's time to say goodbye as a franchise to a guy like Darnold if the Jets get the first overall pick. Now, they lost mm-hmm. to Rippon on Thursday Night Football. Um, Darnold got hurt, came back in. It's not known if he's going to play on Sunday. No, they um, said Flacco starting. Is Flacco starting? Or was this yeah. today? Yeah, just, just, just oh, wow. today. Oh, wow. I announced. missed that. Okay, yeah. so, you know, Darnold's not playing. So it's becoming increasingly likely that the Jets are going to go in 16. So we had this conversation <laughs> before already. Um, like, if Lawrence is there, yeah, you could take him. But do you trust the franchise to make him better? Like what we just talked about. If, you, if they took Allen and Darnold was on the Bills, are we having a – a flip-flop conversation about how Allen sucks and how Darnold's lighting it up with Buffalo. So I saw this, I think it was, um, his name's escaping, Greenberg, Mike Greenberg. Right? Yeah. Get up. Said, if you're Trevor Lawrence and the Jets are number one, oh, yeah. you might consider going back to Clemson because you got to be with the right franchise. And so we saw Eli do in 2004. The Manning mm-hmm. family, Archie Manning, did not want his son going to the Chargers. He didn't believe the Chargers can do what the Giants could do with Ernie Acorsi at the helm. If you're mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence and you have the power to go back to Clemson and kind of dictate where you are or where you get picked, do you say, I'm not going to the Jets? Is that so, something, if you were Trevor Lawrence and you were the first overall pick, you were the highest hyped co- college quarterback since Andrew Luck, let's say. Mm-hmm. Are you saying, I'm not going to the Jets? Kind of. Yeah, a little bit, and and I'll kind of dissect that a lot too. So, first off, the biggest thing with I think the NFL and, and a quarterback coming in, especially a high draft pick, is is going to be money. You you I know you want a great fit, but you also look at the difference in salary from being the first pick, which is like thirty six guaranteed million dollars, versus say you're like the twentieth, maybe you're pushing like sixteen something like that. So. If he has a chance to get the most money possible, he's going to do that. And then with that, that also means – because obviously the biggest contract is going to be your second contract. If he 
is as good as everyone kind of hypes him up, hypes him up to be, which I agree that he's going to be really good. So now he speed fast the getting to that second contract sooner than later. So even though it's only one year, but he's one year closer to that second mega kind of Mahomes-esque deal. So I still think that he is going to declare for the draft. However, you see in today's sports in general, when a player wants a trade, they get the trade. When they want to be somewhere, they kind of get what they want. I would say nine times out of 10. I mean, it's very rare for someone to have a gripe with an organization and say, I want to get traded. And then, and then, them stay on the team. So I think you might see a situation where the Jets say if they do go and 16 draft Lawrence, and then he says, I'm not signing with you. So they still use the draft pick. You can't undo that. So you're going to have to trade him similar to mm-hmm. what the Giants and the Chargers did with Eli and Rivers. So I think that is definitely a possibility. I still think he's going to be entering and getting picked in the 2021 draft this upcoming year. But I think you're going to see a situation like that where the Jets are going to draft him, and then if he doesn't want to be there, he's going to basically get to dictate where he wants to go. So you're going to see another team trade an absolute haul of picks and, if not players, for him. Yeah, and we, we remember the draft day kind of videos in 2004, Matt, when Eli's holding up the Charger jersey. He's not even smiling because yeah. he knows yeah. it's, not, it's not going to happen. So mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting idea if the Jets draft him. Um, and not even like – move back in the draft before drafting him, like actually take him. Yeah. So like you, they, they, people know what they're trading for when they trade with the jets, because you know, if they trade before the draft, you might not get that haul as you would, if you actually physically had, you know, the pick for Lawrence. So yeah. I wonder if, you know, you're right. The jets could theoretically take Lawrence and then trade not only not only maybe trade Lawrence, but also maybe trade Darnold on a draft day trade. So it's gonna be interesting to see what the Jets do there. And there's a lot of teams that are gonna need a quarterback. They just play the Broncos, who are probably gonna need a quarterback. I'm not sure Drew Locke is gonna be the answer there. Um, the Vikings, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Tom Brady's the not Lions. getting any younger. Like the there's, Lions, a, there's a, the Saints, yeah. the Lions. There's so many teams that need a quarterback. If the Jets can dangle Trevor Lawrence in the air. It could be a feeding frenzy, and they can get basically whatever they want. They could have a really good opportunity to completely replenish, replenish their roster. I, I think that's the that's yeah. I, I think I think that's their only hope because they're terrible. They're just absolutely yeah. abysmal. And and with that too, so the Jets I also think they have to draft Lawrence because by you not drafting Lawrence, even if all the rumors come out that that he says, "Hey, I'm not going to sign with you," that just shows how incompetent you are of an organization. So by you not drafting him, to me, that looks like they're admitting their own incompetence, that they can't develop guys and they can't even bring in guys, draftees. And you're basically saying here's $36 million through for four years. And they're saying, no, I don't want to be with you. So mm-hmm. I still think to, to kind of cover their own ass, they have to have to draft him still. And then if he says, Hey, I'm not coming to you. I'm not signing. Then you trade him. And then also if you trade him, say after the draft, I'm pretty sure you would be able to get, the you'd be able to get 2022 and 2023 draft picks so you mm-hmm. kind of have an extra first round pick that you could steal from somebody else in the following year so it's gonna be interesting to see what the jets do um that is complete dumpster fire i'm sure gase is gonna be gone and i'm gonna yeah. start all but you know we're gonna we're gonna go one week without dissecting the jets because they can't yes. do it from health and we're gonna try to avoid the giants as much as we can yeah. 
Um, but there's another NFC East team that NFC East team that I want to talk about because the Redskins, not the Redskins, the Washington, Washington football, football team. team. I remember that. I'm going to get yeah. fined. They <laughs> benched Haskins. Yeah. So Haskins is not the starter anymore. So he, he, he they draft him in the first round in the I believe they had like the tenth, twelfth pick, whatever it was. Like, uh, might be even like fourteen, fifteen, something. Fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, the Giants did not take Haskins; they took Jones yeah. instead. Jury's still out on Jones, but he's not as bad as Haskins. So let's just we can agree on that. Yes. A little bit of a positive tone for the Giants yes. this week. Definitely. Haskins. Do you think this is a bad idea to bench him? Because he's your first round pick. You gave him a lot of money. You expected him to be the franchise. And you know with any rookie quarterback, there's going to be growing pains. It happens all the time. Um, so do you think this is detrimental to his development to bench him all of a sudden? Or do you think it's Washington's kind of way of saying we made a mistake? Well, so, see, and that's, that's the, the, the hardest part about, like, getting in new coaches and new GMs. Obviously, they have Ron Rivera this year who didn't draft Haskins. Is mm-hmm. They're going to want their guy. So, in, in his eyes, Haskins could have been a guy that he, he never would have even considered drafting in the first round, say. So, now he's basically – it's a, almost like a forced, arranged marriage that he has to deal with. So, obviously, he's going to have a shorter leash. The issue that I have with with benching him is that you're benching him for Kyle Allen. So it's not <laughs> like you're benching him for this like other young potentially stud rookie or even like uh, a better vet like who is Kyle Allen. So it's like <laughs> and even to a locker room like how how do you say all right Kyle Allen's giving us the best chance to win today even with how bad Hassan's has kind of been playing like it that just doesn't make too much sense to me. So I, I texted uh, right when I saw that alert earlier this morning. I texted some of my friends. I was like, the, the Washington football team are officially on the, the tank for Trevor or even uh, something, whatever that rhymes with Justin Fields kind of sweepstakes now because, it, I mean, they clearly don't like Haskins as a quarterback through four games only. Imagine yeah. if they gave him a full season. It seems like they're, they're already kind of writing him off or they're clearly looking for other options. So I think you're definitely going to see Washington as another team who, if they have a good enough draft pick, draft uh, either Lawrence Fields or the uh, kid Trey Lance from North Dakota State. I don't see the reason to bench Haskins other than the fact that maybe they think they can still win the division. Because well, yeah, I mean, that's the division is very bad. Of, I mean, I think they're a game yeah. out. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I, think I think the Giants I think, are a game out. I think but everybody like, is like a game or a game and a half out. Because if, if you, you know, use common sense, right? We're not in the Redskins or – fuck. I mean, they're not in the Washington, Washington football team <laughs> organization, right? So we're not going to have these yeah. rose-colored glasses for their chances in the playoffs. We can see, you and me can see, that they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not a good football team. So if they're not going to be good, kind of like what the Giants or what the Jets are doing with their quarterbacks, just ride it out. As long as they're healthy, just ride it out. See if something happens because you're not going to win either way. So you might as well lose with the guy that you took that high draft pick with to see how they're going to do and how they're going to play over the course of 17 games. And then if it doesn't work in January when the season's over, then think about a replacement. Benching Haskins doesn't help your franchise at all. It kind of puts them in this you know, middle ground of nothing. Yeah, so, so obviously every time we talk about uh, a young rookie quarterback or even second year, it reminds me of the Dolphins' own situation with two. And I am kind of coming along to the thought of, hey, like you just said, you're really not – like, like you're, you're, you don't know what you got basically until you see it. So that does make me want to see two. And then even for the Washington football team, for them to want to see Haskins. And 
the biggest thing when we look at teams is 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 Washington's goal of the season to just make the playoffs? No. It, you need you want sustained, continuous, potentially championship success. And if that's the case, and if that's your goal, then you need to see what Haskins is going to give you. Because Kyle Allen is not that answer. So if, if, if their goal is just to potentially win the division at, at seven and nine and get spanked in the first round of the playoffs, then yeah, maybe go with Kyle Allen. But that does nothing for your long-term kind of plan mm-hmm. or, or your long-term continued sustained success. So I definitely think it was a little way too early to kind of bench Haskins. I mean, again, they're, they're, like you said, probably one game out of the division. He, he hasn't been doing well, but we're only a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah. So it's like it's like you have one, two, you stack two good games together back to back weeks, and then he could be the greatest quarterback in the NFC. East. Who knows? So yeah. it, I thought it was definitely a little too early. He doesn't really do anything for their franchise for where they're at right now. It just it doesn't make sense to me. This has just been my opinion on I guess like coaching in general throughout my whole mm-hmm. life. Like you don't I in my opinion you don't learn by just watching, you learn by doing. Like you're out there. So mm-hmm. if you're the Redskins. If you're the Washington football team organization, yeah. I'm going to die. If you're the yeah. Washington organization and you just have Haskins, you know, in year two and now, and then next year in year three, just holding a clipboard, you're doing a disservice to the kid and to your franchise because you, you, he's not learning. He's not learning how to read progressions in the NFL. He's not learning how to, dis, how to you know, d- see disguised Play, defenses yeah. at the line of scrimmage. You don't do that during the week in practice because you're going up against guys that have the same helmet on as you do. You, mm. you, you can't, you know, go over progressions. You can't read defenses. You can't, you know, audible at the line of scrimmage when you see something you don't like. You need to learn all of those things in live game situations. And that's why I've always felt as a, someone, as a football fan who's watched like quarterbacks come into the league, if, um, as long as they're not hurt or as long as the offensive line is so bad that they will get killed if they're put out there, you should throw your rookie quarterback out there right away as long as they're competent and ready. And I feel like maybe it was a mistake to put Haskins in last year in that Giants game at all. once, Once you put the quarterback out there for the first time, he's your guy. You can't bench him because that fucks with your franchise, and that certainly fucks with the kid's confidence. And now Haskins, who knows – what this leads for the rest of his career because this is a huge step back because you named him your guy last year, middle of the season when they took out, was it um, Grossman? I don't even know. Keenum, 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 I think. Keenum, right? Keenum? So they took yeah. out Keenum and they said, Haskins, go out there. I think Keenum mm-hmm. got hurt week three against the Giants. They said, Haskins, go out there. And then he did, and he played the rest of the season, and then he played up until week four this year. you got to ride with it because if you, the second you take him out, the confidence is done with Haskins. And, and your belief in him as a franchise is also done. So now the Redskins are on my list of teams or that are going to be looking for a quarterback in the offseason. Yeah, it's just – yeah. <laughs> I, we'll bleep those out later. But, yeah, it's just – it really is, is just interesting to, to see kind of how they handle it. And I'm a big believer in, in competition, but, like – Kyle Allen versus Dwayne Haskins, like, again, I don't or really Alex see – Or Alex Smith, the, who hasn't played in five years. That's I don't see the competition there. Mm-hmm. Like, like when you looked at uh, – you look at when it was Alex Smith versus Mahomes when they were together. Like, that's some serious competition where, hey, maybe the young rook shouldn't really play yet. And then if he does play, which he did week 16 or week 17, whatever it was, he earned it. And same thing with 
like even when you had Lamar and Joe Flacco, like that was like a decent amount of like kind of comparable competition there. And then you look with obviously Rodgers and Jordan Love right now. Like Jordan Love is going to have to be the next coming of Christ to kind of take over Rodgers' spot. But you look at, all right, say Rodgers got, or, or even say, say all those other guys, those old veteran guys got benched for a young up-and-comer. And it's like Hassan's is getting benched for Kyle Allen. It just, again, I agree with you. That it, just, it doesn't really make much sense. And that's the biggest thing also I like that you mentioned with the rookie quarterbacks is that once you kind of roll with him, like you almost like can't take him out. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's like once they're in, like they're in. And I think that's with the Dolphins right now. That's why they're kind of delaying it because they feel they still want to roll with Fitz and they understand the cert- the the kind of severity of the situation that, hey, once he's in, like he's in and you're not mm-hmm. seeing Fitz again probably for the rest of the season barring an injury. So I think the the, re- the Washington football team, you almost got me there, is definitely in a what are we situation right now. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing with football that you need to know who you are as a team. Are you competing? Are you not? You need to figure out where you are. And you need to figure it out pretty quick because once you're in the middle, you're shit because you're absolutely shit. And it's a terrible kind of thing to try to dig yourself out of. Yeah, I was, I was about to say the same thing before you said it. You are, you're either competing for a Super Bowl, in my opinion, or your division, or mm-hmm. you're bottom and you're going to be bad. There's no yeah. – in- because once you're in between, then, as you said, you don't, you don't know who you are as a franchise. And that's, I feel like, where the Redskins – where the Washington, Washington football team is. <laughs> and I – and it's going to be interesting to see how it, you know, progresses over the course of the season and into the offseason. So, last segment, let's – with about 10 minutes to go, let's talk about the upcoming week. Let's talk about the big games that are happening in week five. I think the biggest mm-hmm. one's actually going to be tomorrow on Thursday Night Football between the Buccaneers – and the blanking on me and the bears. Um, it's going to yeah. be the full against Brady, the rematch rematch of that Super Bowl. Um, uh, the Buccaneers three and one, they survived the, uh, your favorite quarterback, your uh, <laughs> Justin Justin Herbert. Herbert guy, who was fantastic. Um, so the yeah. Buccaneers out that one. And then the bears say what you want about the bears. They're three and one as well. So this is a big game for both teams in terms of, you know, their first, a, a real test of each other on a short week. Yeah, I definitely wanted to wanted to show some love to the Buccaneers and to Brady specifically. One of my friends, uh, Nico, he, he was busting me because he says we don't talk about the Buccaneers and Brady enough. So I said, all right, we'll, we'll give him his segment right now. So Tom Brady threw that one pick six, and it's his second one of the season in that game. And, I, and everybody was like, he's done, his arm shot, he's this, he's that. And then he ends up with five touchdowns in the game. So Brady almost has that like little bit of – like trout treatment for some reason. Like after week one, I feel like we didn't really hear about him too much. Mm-hmm. Like even again, his game against the Chargers, like I feel like we didn't really hear about him too much. And I think this Thursday, he's going to be like, oh, we're playing in uh, a nationally televised game again. I'm about to show out. So again, I've always been a Brady believer. Like that one game against the Saints seemed to everybody, all right, now we wrote him off. And then he comes back with a, a, a low-key kind of five-touchdown game. I'm still a believer in Brady and, and that offense and what they're doing. And I still think their defense is just – their the defensive front with, with Shaq Barrett and uh, Vita Vea and Dominic Kong Sue is just an absolute force to be reckoned with. So I think them being a fairly newer kind of bunch of guys, obviously, especially offensively with Brady at the reins, it's going to take, this, take them some time to figure it out. But I think you're going to see Thursday, and I think they're going to beat the Bears pretty handedly it's going to catapult them into a really serious Super Bowl contending little run they have going on there. 
I think the reason why we don't talk about Brady as much on this show, or really a lot of team, a lot of shows like on the mainstream kind of media markets yeah. don't talk about Brady that much because it's more, it's just business as usual with him again. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it was, it was a novelty the first week because it's the new team. Yeah. It's a guy who's been 20 years on one organization. He's moving over a la, you know, Peyton going from Indianapolis to uh, Denver a la, you know, uh, Steve Young going from here to there, like all these quarterbacks that move, like you know Brett Favre to the Jets. After that first week, kind of becomes a novelty, and then it becomes business as usual. The, Tom Brady's a winner, and he's going to win games. And it's more of a yeah. story when he doesn't win games than when he does. So when he wins games, it's more yeah, that's what Tom Brady does. Tom Brady wins games no matter where he's at. So that's kind of the reason why I feel Tom Brady's flown under the radar. Also because you know Tampa is not you know New England in terms of you know of course the franchise. yeah but, yeah. I mean, you look at you look at his stats. I mean, through a quarter of the season, he's got 1,100 yards. He's got 11 touchdowns, four picks. Again, which isn't terrible, mm-hmm. but again, just just thinking hypothetically, you, you you keep that up and you finish with 44 touchdowns. I mean, that's ridiculous. Even if you finish with say thir- more than 35 and you you throw 4,500 yards, like those are like borderline MVP numbers. And you have to remember, he's what 42 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's like you see all these guys like we were talking to Rogers before about too, who's still doing it at an older age. He's not 42. So Brady, I think Thursday is going to be a huge, huge game. And I think he might put on a three, four touchdown performance and say, Hey, what about me for MVP? Why not? I think yeah. you might see and you that. Know, it's bit. the only show in town. It's going to be the only game on in the NFL. That means the entire yeah. league is going to be watching it. That includes, you know, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. They're going to be watching. Oh yeah. Game. So you know, you know Tom Brady is going to show show up. You know he's going to just push the ball down the field. He's going to put in an absolute clinic against the mm-hmm. Bears team that you know, in my opinion, are fortunate to be where they are at three and one. Yeah, because you know there's three and one teams, and then there's kind of like those three and one pretender teams because it's still earlier in the season. That's where I am mm-hmm. with the Bears because you know you don't know who their quarterback is. I mean Trubisky is hit and miss, and then Foles is, you know, he won that Super Bowl with, you know, Philadelphia. And that's the reason why this game is going to be the national spotlight because it's a rematch between those two quarterbacks. But, you know, ever since leaving Philadelphia, Foles hasn't been the same guy. Yeah. So this is a big, big um, opportunity for the Buccaneers to really show that they're a Super Bowl contender because we don't talk about them. We talk about the Chiefs. We talk about the Ravens. We talk about the Packers. We talk about the Seahawks. We don't talk about the Buccaneers. So I think this is an opportunity for Tom Brady to say, hey, we're going to be in this conversation as well this year. Uh, a good point you brought up talking about pretender teams, two teams, when you kind of look at the landscape of just the NFL, that to me could be pretender teams. I look at the Colts possibly. And Mm -hmm. then I think even the biggest pretenders of them all. And tell me if you agree, the Cardinals, I just Mm -hmm. throughout the first kind of, and again, the Colts are what three, four and over Colts are three, three and one right now. And they have like statistically the best ranked defense. However, I don't see Phillip Rivers doing anything for them. But even building off of them, you look at the Cardinals with, with Kyler Murray and same thing, like a pretty high-powered offense, and they're 2-2, two and two, and he had a pretty bad day, and their defense hasn't really been anything to brag about. Are, are they the biggest pretenders, I, I guess you could say, in the NFL? Cardinal, Cardinals are sitting at 2-2. Two and two. Here's the thing. That division is tough. Yeah. So you got the Rams, you got the Seahawks, and then you got the Niners at 2-2. Two and two. The Niners, as they get healthier, you got to think they're going to separate themselves from the Cardinals a little bit. Court, and it's yeah. going to be more of a three-team race with the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Niners. Now, let me ask you this in terms of pretenders, because I saw them last week 
just barely squeak out a win against the Giants and it took a Daniel Jones interception at the goal line at the end of the game for them to secure the win, do you think the Rams are contenders or pretenders? So, again, when I was scrolling through, too, and, and ever since the Rams' kind of Super Bowl uh, appearance, I've been saying the same thing, that they, they always just seem to be, like, a lot more hype than they are actual, mm-hmm. like, kind of talent. You know they have the guys, like, I, I really like – I think Goff is good. Obviously, you have Aaron Donald, who's a menace on the line. But, yeah, I, I honestly throw them in that kind of contenderish, like, 8-8, eight and eight, like, wild mm-hmm. card kind of round playoff team. And, yeah, like, that's awesome. But I don't see a Super Bowl run coming from them. I, re- I really just don't. And, like, don't their either. offense is pretty good. And they're, they're, their defense is still decently good, too. But there's nothing really that, like, jumps off the page. I mean, like, they don't have that high power kind of Ravens or um, Ravens or Chiefs offense. And they don't have that, like, old Legion of Boom style defense outside of Aaron Donald. So they're, they're definitely, I would say, I think when we look, look at uh, Week 17 and the final uh, records, He's more of that kind of pretender, uh, pretender team right there. Yeah, you look at the, they're not they're on the same level as the Seahawks. The Seahawks are four and zero, and they have Agreed, possibly yeah. the, they have the possibly the MVP of the league. Um, mm-hmm. I believe by the end of the day, the 49ers will be ahead of the Rams. I'm looking at the standings right now throughout the rest of the NFL. Obviously, we've said the Bears are going to be pretenders. The entire NFC East is just a bunch of losers. Just all pretenders, yeah. All. all of them. They're not even pretending. They're just, you know, just whoever just locks into being the least of the terrible are going to make the playoffs there. For real. Um, let's talk about, for the final contender or pretender, let's talk about the 3-0 Titans. You're a Tannehill guy. Now, they made it to the AFC Championship game last year. They're 3-0 this year. Are they a legit contender? So, I, 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 I'm going to say yes, a contender. Just because, again, you look at that division with the 0-4 Texans and the Jaguars, who obviously were leading the tank for Trevor Lawrence kind of sweepstakes early on, and then Indy, who I just said I think is a pretender. So somebody in that division has to be a contender, and I think it is them. Their their offense still is kind of the same. We're going to run it down your throat with the occasional play action, make sure Tannehill only throws it like 25 to no more than 30 times, more high percentage kind of completion rating, stuff like that. And their defense is still good. Obviously, getting Jadavian Clowney, that was a very, hey, we're going to win now kind of move. So I do think they are uh, definitely contenders. I think their defense and then their coaching especially, like they could stumble into the playoffs. And if you run into the Chiefs, like why, why couldn't they beat them per se? They had a lead last year. That's what I mean. So I could easily see them kind of really uh, – roughing up rough nosing their way up to a Super Bowl appearance possibly winning one I don't know but I definitely think there are legit contenders yeah I think that's a lot of interesting things that can happen throughout the next three quarters of the NFL season because we're 25 percent done and this is the point towards you know as we get closer to Halloween especially when we get to Thanksgiving where the mm. contenders show themselves and the pretenders kind of fade off and then we really get to see who's actually going to be in the conversation to win the Super Bowl but until then, that will wrap things up. Um, I had the pleasure of watching this Tua highlight reel in the background this whole time. Yeah, there we um, go. Real quick, before we sign off, Matt, has your prediction changed on when, what week we'll see this kid? Um, yeah, honestly, every week it's just, it gets earlier and earlier and earlier. Mm-hmm. And, then, and Flores, their coach, came out today and basically was saying that they don't feel that he's ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. However, I kind of think he that very Belichick has to say that because I don't think he wants to have a QB controversy on his hands. So he kind of sets the record straight to, hey, 
Fitz is our guy. Like, it came out in the national media that Fitzpatrick is starting in week five. Week five. So it kind of makes you wonder, if he's always been your starter, why do you have to kind of announce that unless you kind of had him kind of uh, coming closer to being the starter? So I think you might see it even against uh, – you might even see it com- coming in against the Niners. Who, their defense is still very banged up. So why not? It, again, it's getting closer and closer and closer every single day, but we'll figure it out. We'll yeah, get there one be, day. It's going to be quite a day in Miami. It's going to be quite a day in the four-hour household when Tua yes, finally straps sure. it on for the Miami Dolphins. But until then, we're going to log off, and we're going to see you guys next week. For Matt Farrar, my name is Glenn Deniers. Thank you for listening to Ice the Kicker, and we'll see you next week. Adios.